welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. Hello, Attactioneers. This is your host, Taylor, coming to you live from my house, like usual. And with me, as always, live from his house, sometimes, is Isaac. How's it going, buddy? Um, I'm doing all right. I, I'm i live right now, but you'll be listening to this recorded. So uh, my dog just dropped her bone. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing okay. My life's a bit of a whirlwind right now. I'm like, uh, my girlfriend and I are separating, which is pretty hard. Um, my mom needs a surprise remodel of her kitchen, so I've been helping with that. Uh, we did a prescribed burn at my house yesterday which I might have breathed like way too much smoke and or poison oak smoke. So if I have vocal issues, that's probably why. But uh, I also got to open a bunch of Everfest packs with you guys last weekend and play some Monarch uh, Limited, which was all very great. So thanks for that. Uh, you're welcome. I'm not really sure who you're thanking, but you're welcome nonetheless. You and my other buddies who did that oh, with me. Oh, okay, cool. I thought you were talking to the listeners for a second. Yeah. <laughs> thank you all out there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> for blessing my monarch draft. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, life is is ever, ever changing, ever busy. Um, I can't believe it's Monday right now. I had a real grinder of a week last week. Um, you have some uh, pretty exciting news, though. How are you doing, Taylor? Oh, I'm worn out. So my basketball team made a bit of school history on Friday. Um, we beat our rival in our final regular season of the game, home game, and won by one point in overtime to clinch the league championship, which is the first time we have won it outright in 30 years so uh that's why i am a little hoarse still i just uh screamed my head off for a whole game and then for like a very long celebration awesome also our well they probably know this by now but this is the (laughs) our local high school that we went to yeah and uh yeah pretty pretty great pretty big deal great job Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it really is a uh, incredible moment for me personally and for our community. And I really hope my uh, players. I hope somehow that this like experience changes their life in you know one way or another, whether it's through basketball or just the confidence of the fact that they accomplished you know something so uh, incredible. So, um, yeah, I could go on and on. I had a big cry on, uh, Saturday when it finally like all sunk in and, you know, my years of hard work and stuff and et cetera, you know, it just meant a lot to me, uh, personally to make that happen. So this is like every sports movie played out in real life. You know, couldn't have been any cooler. 
one yeah, point t- in OT yeah. against their rivals. <laughs> yeah, totally. it was it, it was, was awesome. just so cool. Yeah, that's what I told them before the game. I'm like, just enjoy the fact that you're in this moment. You know, like not everybody gets to have their final game of this regular season like this. And especially for my seniors, like, you know, you don't get to always go out this way, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So super stoked, but my real moneymaker is maybe a little ruined for a few days here, a few days more. So bear with me with my, uh, my scratchiness. It's definitely getting better, but on like, Saturday when you came over, I was definitely like, even worse. <laughs> I, I uh, maybe I'm a bit slow at the boat, but I did not know exactly what you meant when you said your money maker is ruined, and my brain just went, "What? What is this money maker? What <laughs> well, could? Oh, what are all the things it could be?" <laughs> well, it's either my voice mean. or my butt, <laughs> according to my wife. Um, so. Maybe I'm actually okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, welcome to our flesh and blood podcast where we talk about all things flesh and blood (laughs) and some other things sometimes. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Cool. Well, let's get into some news, Isaac. So some news has happened other than the uh, release of Everfest. Uh, we got our first calling announcement, which is coming in Indianapolis in, uh, oh gosh, I have to look it up. I believe it's at the end of March. I should have been more prepared. And also, um, the second calling was announced along with the first pro tour ever, which is a huge deal. Oh, right. Have we not talked about the pro tour? Oh, shit. I thought we had not yet. <laughs> I don't know. It's um, uh, the Indianapolis calling is Friday, March 18th to Sunday, March 20th. Classic constructed format. Um, we have not talked about the pro tour, maybe on the reaction step, but not on our podcast because that was right cool. after Australian shout out, and New Zealand Nats. Yeah. Shout out to the reaction step. YouTube exclusive video pod. Shout out to us. (laughs) Well, Arsenal Pass shouts out themselves every episode. So, okay. So it's totally fine. Um, So, yeah, also the Pro Tour is announced. We'll just go over it if we haven't talked about it. Um, So, that is coming to New Jersey. Yay. Uh, Friday, May 13th to Sunday. May 15th. Um, it is also a classic constructed, I believe, uh, tournament. I think yep. the whole production team over at Fresh and Buds is pretty psyched. <laughs> I totally, yeah. If we make it to the Pro Tour, Tommy Fresh, we're crashing in your spare bedroom. See the great state of New Jersey. I've never been to Jersey or New Jersey. So, me neither. Yeah, could be. I don't even know where the original is. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, there's a few things to uh, break down about the Pro Tour. Just really quick, you can look up all the information, but it's you can cash in a PTI to go to this. You mm-hmm. can win one of the many uh, 
ProQuest events mm-hmm. coming up this month already. Yep. Um, or you can qualify not by ELO, but via XP. However, you have to be one of the top yeah. 100 players in the world to qualify. So if you were not already doing this and maybe grinding over the holidays just because, uh, it might be a little bit tough. But um, those are the those are the deets is something I never say. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, I'm excited for the pro tour. I'm surprised by quite a few things. I'm surprised it's in New Jersey. Um, I don't know anything about New Jersey, so uh, maybe it's just a great convention city or the fact that it's kind of closer to Europe in terms of flights and that sort of thing makes it more ideal. Um, I mean, it's even further from Asia and uh, Australia, right. New Zealand and all that, though, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, but the thing that I think is really weird and that we've talked about kind of a bit in our discord has been uh, just the 90 day XP being able to qualify uh, that way. Um, and so my biggest issue with that, uh, sort of thing is it just feels, I don't know. It just feels weird for what it does to the rest of the community, right? Making that like any time you can get XP, uh, more valuable, to certain individuals who want to grind it and that might lead to maybe like a bad play experience for more casual players who could care less but just want to have fun you know right like it turns an armory into a top level competitive event yeah and then for those turn- yeah grinding. Yeah. yeah yeah and then it also uh is like incentivizes people who have or, or you know if you have like you're unemployed or you have a weird work schedule or something you know you can just play online armories and count that as xp so like you could be playing way more than perhaps you know a person who is i don't know more of a professional level player um, but who has like a, you know, a lifestyle currently that can't sustain, uh, you know, local events five days a week with armories online seven days a week or something like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree because I, I do like the idea of being able as like a normal person or normal player like having a chance or a path to a pro quest. Um, you know, like it's mostly pros or mostly people with a PTI or whatever, but then there is this avenue for, you know, if you're like an average Joe and, you know, you have the time or something, you could like go for it, which is pretty fun, I think. But yeah, I think in practice it just turns into, you know, if you have to get up every day and like, you know, go teach high school or go to the lumber yard or whatever, you know, then you can't play 
17 Italian armories in three days <laughs> online, which is yeah. just like, it's kind of weird to incentivize that so much, I think. Yeah, that that's uh, exactly how I feel too, because then it's more about the quantity of your play rather than the quality of your play, right? And it mm-hmm. won't matter if it's like, uh, online blitz skirmishes or on TTS or, or whatever, however you can get the XP, you could just like get it, you know? Um, and so there's a bit of, I guess, uh, disingenuousness about that to me, you know? Uh, but at the same time, I can understand that like, well, if you're going to be on the pro tour pro professional, most professionals who are at a very high level have some sort of like sacrifice that they have to have in order to attain the level of professionalism that they uh, desire. So there's a bit of that, which I'm okay with. Um, but I'm, I am just mostly concerned about the uh, everyday person who is much more uh, the heart and soul of our game than uh, online skirmish grinders, you know? Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot what I was going to say. But yeah, I, I totally agree. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's tough enough if your local armory is like a shark tank with pros anyway, but then if it, you know, certain armories can turn into like really high stakes events for some people and, uh, you know, other people just want to go and kind of play casually. Right. Um, yeah. So there is one other, uh, detail about the, the pro tour that, um, I wanted to touch on briefly. It's the fact that, uh, PTIs can be gifted. Yeah. Which, you know, in spirit sounds great. Cause it's like, if you have two PTIs and I don't have one, but we both want to go, you know, you could gift me one and then we'll go and have a blast. But uh, in the real world, it just turns into PTIs being sold online, which yeah. translates into um, being able to buy your way into a professional competition, which like, I mean, for somebody who doesn't have a PTI, but like has the opportunity right now is like, I want to go to this part of history and, you know, it's, it doesn't seem that shady, but then when you just look at it as like a respected, uh, professional competitive tournament, I feel like it, uh, it, it kind of casts a shadow on the, that, that aspect of it, I guess. I'm not explaining that very well, but no, I, no, I totally get it. It's like this whole, uh, it's like wrapped up in the XP thing, right? Like, uh, you know, for us, it feels like the pro tour is like, you know, it is, it's that level above the callings and is at that, you know, national level, you know what I mean? International even, you know, so like the pro tour can be, can be a hundred percent, you know, we're going to have people from many different countries there. Um, so that there just should be kind of like a bit of, I don't know. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A higher standard, I suppose, right? And if, you know, 
And so all of those things are wrapped in together. That makes the pro tour feel kind of weird that you could have like, uh, just beat the living crap out of noobs in like, I don't know, Greenland in their online skirmishes, like seven days a week to get to the pro tour or either grinding way too much or have bought your way into the pro tour kind of sullies kind of the sanctity of the the event and the level that i think it should be at yeah like in most uh professional level uh leagues or tournaments or events there is some sort of um bar or you have to earn your way on you know which you could argue that xp does in a certain way but anyway those are just uh you know some concerns I, I didn't uh, organize a better one, but, um, you know, just some things I've thought about. The last thing is uh, they also released this XP requirement halfway through the three month window, which is a right. little bit weird. Um, yeah. You know, uh, countries who had their nationals during this window get a bit of a bump. People that grinded through December and January get a a bit of a bump. Um, I don't know how much that'll affect how many people, but it just seems like a, a bit odd of a announcement. Um, like why not just announce a 45 day XP and start it now? Or, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Just, or these or are just re- some notes on the uh, yeah. people. Been yeah. Or re- about. restart the 90 day XP. Or if you're concerned because like Europe hasn't had enough or Asia, you know, hasn't had enough uh, professional level events um, then just open up like you know the top four in the pro quest can qualify for pro tour one right right I mean that seems like the best and easiest uh, solution to everything but yeah and why for some reason they didn't do that yeah if if you're gonna have the pro quest be that you have to win it and that's the standard is like one then like you shouldn't also then allow uh grinders now i'm sorry if this like offends somebody who's like uh pretty psyched to just freaking grind it out and get her done um so i've i fully apologize but you know this is just um you know the way i see it and it could i could be totally wrong as well um so yeah or you know top two from each pro quest yeah like however the numbers worked out but um in order to get more people you know you'd think that would uh that would be the way to go but you know the counter is the top 100 players in the world are all players who have played quite a lot already and um you know most likely and are very involved in the game so maybe that's a small enough number um, that you are actually inviting many top players. Yeah. Yeah. This also might be the only time this happens as well because of like COVID and stuff that we just haven't had enough professional level events for people to mm-hmm. get on the ELO boards. Um, yeah, definitely. And that sort of thing. So this might just be a one time thing. So, oh, speaking we'll, of we'll uh, see what happens, competition in Europe, though, they are going to announce a calling in Europe to make up for the one that got canceled. So hell yeah. Look for that news coming up. 
it's it's one of the grayed out screens on LSS's website. You know? Oh yeah, calling Europe. Yep, got to tease you for a bit first. Totally. Uh, cool. Hell yeah. All right. I think that's it for the news. It's kind of a long ranty news segment, but that's okay. Uh, so how about topic? Some... Yeah, t- totally. It, it really is. Um, shout outs, Isaac. Do we have any shout outs for today? Uh, we do. Um, we wanted to shout out the instant speed podcast. Uh, Hell yeah. And uh, Flake, who seems like a really, really nice guy and um, does a great job over there. But most recently had an interview with James White himself that, uh, you know, as always, is very interesting because he usually gives some insight into LSS's decision making process and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, James White also, you know, is, I don't know how you put like a bit more frank than you might expect and sometimes more open or willing to chat about certain things. So interviews with him tend to be uh, more interesting or illuminating than just like a PR statement or whatever. So, uh, you know, they're always pretty, pretty enjoyable. And, you know, Flakes worked very hard to be a, you know, professional uh, newscaster. I don't know what (laughs) the the label is, but, you know, he's a, Doing a great uh, job. A talking head. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, after listening to that interview, I was like, boy, the person in charge of this game I love very much is very inspiring and uh, just has a lot of really great things to say and makes me feel comfortable with their leadership with the thing that I find very precious. So, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, just another, uh, gold star for flesh and blood. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Like, uh, he, he inspires you to support the game, you know, Mm -hmm. he makes you believe in it because of how solid, their company in the game is, but also just makes you want to believe in it, you know? So it, it's always great to be reassured. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You're like, Oh, cool. It's yeah. okay that we've had bands and that there's this weird pathway to the pro tour. That's okay. James White's got me. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, we have no listener mail this time, but if you would like to ask us a question, uh, leave us a comment or slide into our DMs on Twitter. You can find our handles in the uh, show notes and that sort of thing. On to the main topic, Sir bah, Isaac. Bah, bah. All right. <laughs> so uh, talk to me about what it was like opening Everfest. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, just like, I mean, it really is just like crucible, right? There's uh, a plethora of majestics and even rares that you want. There's just so many cards that you're happy to open. A lot of the commons are also, um, pretty valuable for the classes they support. Mm -hmm. So opening each pack is just like a treasure trove of cards. Uh, we did it. Uh, us four best friends that play the game together 
um, trying to slowly open the packs and savor the moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just a blast. Yeah, uh, I had a ton of fun. And it was actually a really great experience. Just like having some beverages uh, taken, you know, 30 minute breaks out in the beautiful sunshine and, um, you know, showing each other like, oh, look at this foil. Have you looked at this art? You know, just like really being, um, I don't know, childish, but in like a really good way, you know, being in touch with our like, you know, inner boys or whatever. And just are yeah, uh, psyched. Yeah. Are just psyched inner board game kids. <laughs> totally. And, and then Troy opened up the new legendary shield and we all just went like, ah, oh, you know, it was yeah, so fun. It, Troy is our guardian player as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it was very exciting. Um, so what are, uh, what do you got to say about about your first impressions? What do you think about? I mean, we have new packaging. Mm-hmm. We have a very colorful box. Mm-hmm. We have ten cards per pack. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, we have all these things that make it different than mm-hmm. um, a limited set. Yeah. So uh, right away, the graphic design uh, for the set is really great. They're my favorite boxes so far that we've had to see like fully out on display they're they're really fun and colorful and i the paper wrapping is great i do not ever want to go back to plastic ones the paper feels really good in hand it's uh great to open and it's just like an even better feeling to go like this is not plastic this is way better you know that i can yeah. just then chuck all those wrappers into the fireplace after we're done which is super cool for us uh country folk (laughs) they also feel like heftier than the plastic they're like concerns about are your cards going to get damaged and all this but like i just opened a tails pack for our uh our upcoming segment and uh it feels way flimsier than the paper ones so i don't think that that is really uh you know an issue yeah totally um and then as far as like the uh individual cards and that sort of thing the artwork in this set is you know of course again uh just really top notch and the foiling is really good the card prints even seem better like i we didn't have any weird like damaged cards or you know, miss foils or, or anything like that. It's, uh, it was a really clean four boxes that we, that we opened. Um, my, my critique would be that I wish they had not spoiled all of the potions. I wish that that was the part of the set we did not know about because it would have been so fun to, open all of those weird potions and talismans and amulets and stuff and be like, Whoa, what is this? You know, that, that would have been a truly unique experience for sure. I agree with you. 110%. I actually (laughs) 
don't really like spoilers because I mean I like the hype and I like having some spoilers, but I do like having some surprise on yeah. a Christmas morning when we get it yeah. three times a year. Yeah. Um, but I practically they couldn't have any pack or box openings ahead of time for all the like box opening channels and stuff like that. If there were keeping something as a, as a surprise, unfortunately. Um, right. To your um, your design point, yeah. So I don't personally like the carny flavor or art or that whole group of generic um, cards that are like carnival flavored, and I don't even care. It's like <laughs> yeah, they did it in a it way is, right? that. What's that? That's just how good it is. Is it's like, oh yeah yeah. Like those are kind of interesting and fun. And then the potions and talismans have their kind of own style and flavor Mm -hmm. of game mechanics and art and card design. And then they have, you know, uh, kind of a different flavor, like for each of the class cards that come out, like there's some futuristic warrior cards and some like really trippy wizard cards. And uh, just the set as a whole, is not kind of put under, you know, the umbrella of just like one flavor of design space or artistic um, expression. So uh, I think it works really well um, as opposed to like a limited set, like Aria or something where, I mean, you have different talents, but you're, you're in the same world. You're of this Mm -hmm. flavor Um, in this supplemental set. They're able to just give you like a, a nice smorgasbord, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I think it would have been hilarious if all of the cards had carnival themed artwork. Like <laughs> Viscerai is like shooting uh, baskets, you know, into that little carnival, like tiny basketball hoop for tickets or something. You know, like if the characters are are trying to throw like ping pong balls and like fish bowls to get their goldfish and stuff, you know? Like that's too that. silly for me. Oh my god, it would be so good. It, it would, would be, be so pretty fun. funny though to be killed by that card, like in a CC tournament. You know, you're like at nationals, and it's the viscerai uh, ping pong in the duck cups. Yeah, totally. You're, you're dead and out of gnats. <laughs> Get up and leave. You know. Yeah, or <laughs> so. Oldheim with cotton candy on his face or something like that. You know. Oh, it'd be so. It would be so good. Uh. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I have two more boxes showing up later today and, uh, I'll be breaking those this week. So, um, pretty psyched on this set. Uh, it seems like it's going to impact the meta, uh, quite a bit segue. So Isaac, uh, who do you think really, uh benefits the most which hero or heroes are um taking the cake winning the giant stuffed bear ringing the bell on the whatever thing um so i guess first right you just have to talk about bravo this is kind of the set of bravo it seems like one of the legendaries even like Skullcap also, but that was already printed. And the Fabled support Bravo got a bunch of new cards and a brand new hero with the largest card pool in the game. In addition to having been supported throughout the pre- previous sets. Um, so 
Bravo's got a lot of a lot of new tools. Well, he can't Bravo use the shield. The Bravo. Bravo can't use old Bravo. Regular boring Bravo can't use the new shield. Uh, yes. Uh, eccentric, flamboyant, carny Bravo may use the shield. Correct. And all of the other goodies. Yep. Um. So, you know, uh, there's been a lot of deck building out there and testing with this new Bravo, and he seems quite powerful. Um, what do you think about Bravo in this set? Yeah, that's one of my big hits, right? Is that uh, Bravo star of the show is uh, insane, right? It's just it's just out of control. Um, <laughs> you know, I would assume that uh, people are going to start calling for bands pretty soon because it can just like high roll the crap out of you. Like last night I got uh turn one Oak and olded into turn two crippling crush. So that was really cool. And I was like down 20 life before I had anything going. So, um, but then it wound up being a very close game regardless. But, um, yeah, the, I think the biggest one is the, is star of the show, especially early, early in the meta for sure. Yeah. It's, it is kind of nuts how powerful that character is. So early already, I would agree. One thing we talked a little bit about is, um, at least what we've been looking at a bit is that deck does kind of, uh, um, one of our our testing partners made this comment. The deck really, really doesn't like disruption. So, yeah. um, if you're just trying to race or mid range, but play kind of your own games, it might be a bit overwhelming. But there may be ways to really, uh, you know, throw a wrench in his gears. Yeah, yeah, to- definitely. So we'll see. We might need not need any Bravo bands. You know, who knows? <laughs> who, yeah, who, who knows for sure. Um, second on my list is prism. I absolutely love what they've done with prism. There's, um, the new auras and stuff open up so many different play lines and efficiencies and, uh, you know, just new stuff for prism to explore. And it all seems very, very good. And it's hilarious too. like, the paragraphs in the release notes for all of the prism cards or illusionist cards, excuse me, are, uh, are comical, you know, it's like we get some cards and it's like two bullet points, but then for, you know, barraging (laughs) metamorph, it's like, you know, a whole text page of stuff you have to know about all of the new auras or the new attack actions and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, just complicated interactions for sure, but uh, very good and powerful too. Yeah, Prism got. I mean the the best part about Guardian, right, is like maybe the the Fable or the Shield and Star of the Show, and you got some other new cards. But I feel like the new cards that Prism got are like bump up her power level quite a lot. I'm not. Yeah positive what that deck will look like because there's not room to play all of these prism lines you can think of so you have to kind of find this sweet spot of um 
of play, but it it did feel like with the prism being the first illusionist and a light illusionist, you know, there were kind of these two different play styles, which made the deck very cool, but some of these new cards seem to have maybe melded or blurred the lines between, um, you know, whether you're going Aura Prism or Aggressive Herald Prism. Now it seems like you can just kind of be an illusionist and have like strengths <laughs> from both, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy how many uh, illusion, or excuse me, not illusions, but auras um, just fly out onto the board so fast you know yeah and then you just have this whole like crazy engine of uh tricky magic happening and uh very cool the from monarch the spears art is really really cool and i'm glad to see uh all these like regular prism cards released that's much more my flavor than the the light illusionist i really like the uh yeah, just the regular illusionist kind of flavor to that class. Yeah, um, 100%. It's really really cool. It's like always like pinks and blues and purples and stuff. I really like yeah. that. In that the moonlight palette. with shards yeah. flying at you, refractaling. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> and you're just dazzled as you're diced up. Yeah. That's a, some sort of enigma chimera eats you to death. Yeah. Um, uh my next uh, character is dash i think that mm. i'm unsure if dash will be a top tier deck but some of the tools dash got are extremely interesting um namely i should have had this pulled up but dash got a card that costs two and goes out for two turns and if you would be dealt one damage prevent one of it so this obviously works against prism and yeah, room this, chance the sphere yeah yeah and in addition, any like when your opponent just floods you with uh, four attack hit effect cards, you can just block with three and it also prevents that. And then, of course, you have to, you know, pay for and play this card out. So that like makes that turn less good. So who knows uh, exactly how good it'll be or how much play it'll get. But uh, just reading the card, it seems really powerful. What do you think about Dash? Uh, I think Dash for sure got some tools. I think that it seems okay. You know, I'm not overly impressed with these things. Um, but they are definitely tools to address things uh, right away, which is for sure, you know, it, it it's something. But uh how hard those things are to play around uh is yet to be seen you know and uh if you're doing any amount of boosting you could just uh boost your second and third copy right off the top you know and then people really loved the addition of t-bone shout out to us for our spoiler um and it's kind of the same thing right is uh it's most impactful like late game and if you have them in multiples you know yeah so i uh i reserve any judgment yet for uh dash that's that's my take on dash 
Nice. All right. Anyone my, else making the the goodies? Yeah, my last one for sure is Viscerai. It seems like Viscerai just uh, you know got a bunch of tools. And they're all really good. You just freaking slap them in that deck and uh, you're just off to the races again with like slightly better cards that are freaking awesome. So I think, you know, Viscerai is still going to be around and has the stuff to adapt to the meta so far and uh, still feels like a dark horse, even though it's a national winning deck. For whatever reason, it still feels like a dark horse. Yeah, I'm going to say that Viscerai is no longer a dark horse because I agree. It's like, well, because before that deck was really good, but you had to have maybe your matchups dialed and your strategy is a bit complicated, you know, and that's all fine. And the deck was great, but just the power level of some of the new cards and the lines you can take with them just kind of ramps it up. And, uh, you know, just casually have 20 damage turns like, pretty often um yeah so i'm gonna say yeah viscera is definitely like s tier or top tier now <laughs> yeah and some of the older viscera cards just like got better like now you can for a blue rattle bones a swarming or gloom veil and yeah and then it gets go again and then you can come in with rosetta like that's just so awesome for for rattle bones you know to like give that card some more uh yeah. just play you know yeah because rattle bones cost two and then rosetta costs one and mm-hmm. you're making rune chance along the way during this turn and it's just yeah it's uh it's pretty nuts i played some games where swarming just gets played like five times and <laughs> you're just very swarmed <laughs> <laughs> yeah apt apt named. Um, <clears throat> yeah I'm going to, my last two characters with big wins, I'm going to group together um, Azalea and Kano, which we can talk about separately. But these are two characters that did had just a very small card pool and weren't like fully fleshed out support wise. Um, you know, like an Azalea used to just run nimbleism because it's free and does what you want or like you know kano all most of your blues are just trash they just block for three and aren't the worst hitting them off the top you know it's just like because that's what you have but both of these characters i don't know if either of them will be really good but they both got a nice suite of powerful cards so that's very exciting i think for both azalea and kano players yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it. Uh, I have not dipped into either of those card pools. Uh, just I'm overwhelmed with the other three or four heroes we mentioned trying to like, you know, learn what's going on over there. But yeah, Kano, uh, especially Kano, just like if I was a Kano main, I would be just over the moon just to rebuild that whole deck and figure out you know, does it actually have a place in the meta now? You know, definitely. And they gave Kano that I thought this was interesting because they did not give him a tool to pop four cost auras. So that's still like a huge or, you know, hugely oppressive, but they did give him a card to destroy all zero cost auras and Mm -hmm. deal damage to prism for each one destroyed. 
uh, which, I mean, that's obviously very powerful. I don't know if it gets you over the mountain of new prism, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's pretty interesting design space. And yeah, I don't know if, you know, Azalea still has a pretty low damage ceiling, but does have access to dominate. And I mean, nowadays it's kind of piddling damage to be honest, but you know, doing eight a turn or 11 a turn is like not where you want to be. But I thought she got some interesting tools in that maybe now she has like a role in the game. Whereas before it, you're pretty much the underdog in every matchup. And now it seems like she can kind of police or bully, you know, decks that rely a bit too heavily on just a bunch of defense reactions. Right. Or kind of like turtling and I have a better weapon or, you know, like trying to just soak it up and make you beat them. You know, now you can run release the tensions and dread bores and remorseless and remembrance and memorial ground, you know, and uh, really, really go to town on those characters. So and battering bolt with dominate. Um, so, yeah, I I'm unsure how it'll play out, but it is cool to just like you know, now have a strength or a role maybe versus, you know, just uh, trying real hard. (laughs) Right. Yeah. A bit of an identity to the deck, you know? Um, So some misses for me, and I'm not going to go too uh, deep into these, but some misses, I think for sure. Top of the list is brute. I don't understand the card design of that class, albeit my understanding of it is limited. And I think that uh, Bolton also kind of got housed a little bit. He's already so tied to his um, talent that uh, it doesn't seem like he gets much benefit from some of these new cards you know um and if you're at home going well like sabers seems still pretty good you know that we don't acknowledge sabers on this podcast (laughs) taylor's not talking to you (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so yeah those are kind of my two uh you know slightly disappointed uh card pools for those two heroes yeah yeah, and I'll throw I yeah, I mean I mean Brute did get I really like Bear Fangs and Swing Big, but it just doesn't feel like enough um at the moment. It does feel like both Benji and KO got like the dream suite of cards and Brute and Ninja <laughs> you know didn't really get what they wanted. You know what I mean? Um I've no I know uh, some people are huge fans, a hundred wins and all that, but just saying um, the, their blitz characters did seem to get uh, some cool, cool new tools, but um, the, the adults were, were a bit left out. I do have a theory though, that, you know, like I said, guardian has been unlike, you know, ninja and brute and maybe warrior, even with the Bolton release, um, Guardian has been like supported throughout every single set mm-hmm. to some degree and given like, you know, even if it's just zealous belting and a few other, and rouse and stuff yeah. like that. Just, um, just a little breadcrumbs. Yeah, totally. They've been uh, keeping them competitive. 
and now after all that we get a like a big brute supplemental or guardian supplemental set so my theory is that the upcoming the next set in the game is going to be like a you know a ninja and brute savage land set or something like that um that doesn't give bravo any support i love it you, the set's been out for three days and you're already got the tinfoil hat on for the next set Love totally it. well you look at the pattern and you would you would have thought maybe both katsu and reinar might have been given a little bit little bit more of a power bump um you know i don't know but yeah um, yeah. that, that's yeah. just how it feels, you know, and you can't, you can't equally support everybody all the time. Obviously I'm not like totally. complaining about the set. I'm just saying it, it looks to me like the next set might be like a Katsu or a Rhinar, yeah. maybe Prism. I don't know. Yeah. I will say about the set, the heroes that did get a ton of help are just all of the young blitz crucible heroes. Like those are all wins for sure. And, yeah. and I, for, we forgot to mention about skirmish season four as well. All right. News. We'll be blitz. And it will be Blitz. So we will get kind of some immediate usage out of some of these new cards and new archetypes, which I got to say, I'm pretty excited to sleeve up a Kasai deck and uh, Blitz around and probably get roasted by a Kano and beat crap by an Ira. But at least I have new cards and I will play some games with those new cards. I'll meet you down there in the losers bracket, buddy. I'm gonna sleeve up KO now that he has an actual strategy and some cards to do it with, you know? Hell yeah. And, uh, You're still a known, know how to deal with Ira, but <laughs> a known bad dice roller, so uh I worry for you on that day. <laughs> you know. That's why you gotta roll like six of them in a turn. Something will happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Volume shooting. <laughs> It's like the uh, early 2000s basketball idea. Just freaking hoist them up there, baby. Yep. If you only take three seconds on your possession, you're going to get a lot more of a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seven seconds or less. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns and Steve Nash. Um. Okay. Any other thoughts about the heroes and their card pools and, and that sort of thing before we kind of delve into the uh opening days of the pro quest uh yeah i just have a quick question for you as a because you played dorinthia quite a lot i was just wondering Mm -hmm. what what do you think of dorinthia um or warrior in general maybe but there are some hot new warrior cards but like does it you know get her there or uh i'm not really sure it feels like it did in Monarch, like, well, I have this array of weapons I could just slap onto Dorinthia and see how they all work, you know. And it only seems like that based on like, well, these are a bunch of new tools and Dorinthia is historically pretty good, so maybe these work. But even then it's like just kind of like a whole it's like a whole thing you yeah. still gotta do. You know what I mean? Uh, you got to hit with your, you got to output enough damage to keep up with everybody else. Right. Right. And I don't know how two, uh, weapons that attack for two can outdo 
uh, star of the show when he comes in for uh, 13 dominate with go again, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, I'll swing this sword at you reaction. Give it go again. And my next sword comes in for five. Sweet. I did seven damage. Ha. Took my whole hand. <laughs> Took my whole hand. Okay. Uh, Oakenhold for 11. Totally. Isn't it weird they gave Bravo the go again ability? I mean, I get the harder to pull off, dominate, and buff and all that, but like go again is just the antithesis of Guardian. It, yeah. It was, it, I was like, what? <laughs> go again is like the best thing on a card ever. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the game is go again most of the and time. Guardian's rad just was lacking in the go again, but yeah. Maybe if they Not gave anymore. Dorinthia like a third arm that holds a free sword, <laughs> that would be the way to go. My only thought was that, you know, uh, these characters with good weapons, and I'm not talking about like Reinar's club or like even a Nothos anymore, maybe, but characters with really powerful, cheap weapons give you this like small form of card advantage, you know, mm-hmm. because with one or two resources you're just tacking on like look at rosetta you know one floating resource and go again and you come in for five with viscerai so i was just wondering if you know with a three card hand um you know in the axes or something if if they'd upped the damage output of that kind of thing enough that you could uh yeah, I mean, with that. like a th- with a three card hand in the axes, and one of those cards is a blue. I think you wind up with like eight damage, you know, which but is no like hit effect. Yeah, you know, so like no. if it's that plus whatever the one is that gives your one handed weapons go again and plus three, you know, so yeah, uh, still not overwhelmingly great. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I do have to shout out. Uh, Leviya did not get anything. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, right. as a Leviya player, she really, yeah. I mean, you're probably going to throw three swing bigs in because that card's just really good. But, uh, you know, no shadow cards. No, I don't know, maybe bear fangs. It's just like doesn't, didn't, didn't yeah. get much. Just going to yeah. have to wait for the next shadow set. When that's all the because, other talents have been released. <laughs> that's because Leviah's OP already, and they know it in this meta. Yeah, she's already broken. Yeah, now, now she it is. Out. Now that Briar is a little hamstringed, hamstrung, here comes Leviah. Watch out. Just figure out what to do about star of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Tank the damage and roll scab skins and wear skull crushers and... Go, go to town. six yeah that's that's how you that's how you play brute obviously is what Definitely. lss said <laughs> they're like we just yeah. you want rng i'll give you rng you know yeah i i probably said this before but i was a little but i know it leans into the ko aspect and maybe some of the rng is some of the fun for some brute players but brute has this really subtle tempo management that is actually quite difficult, like playing Reinar and CC and pretty interesting. And it just felt like in this set, they did not lean into, you know, that's something that players also appreciate about Brute. And they didn't really lean into that at all, very much. They just want you to roll more dice, which every real Brute player has been like, 
okay, the secret to winning is actually not rolling dice. You just have to like, <laughs> you know, plan and tempo manage really well. Here's all these new cards about die rolling. <laughs> but again, there'll be another brute set someday. So, you know, it'll, it'll all work out. Totally. We can get really upset then. So that'll be fun. <laughs> um, okay. Let's transition to kind of what are your kind of early thoughts in that first, maybe even the second weekend of the ProQuest? events what do you think is is going to happen what's panning out uh first thought was i was kind of hoping star of the show would be a bit clunky at first but i in the back of my mind i knew that with such a large carb pool um you know weapons and equipment included that this hero would probably be really powerful and i think that we've seen that um he is a bit of a force uh, there will be ways to beat him, I think, and I hope. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, so I my call is that Bravo is going to be huge, uh, and Prism, which Bravo? people love Prism. What? Which Bravo? Um, I would bet both. To be honest, oh. there's a lot of Bravo mains, and people love Bravo. And then Star of the Show might be like the best new hotness deck, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to call both. And then Prism counters Guardian fairly well, and people also love Prism, right? Um, you can throw Dash into that mix as well. So that's my my call. And, of course, Viserai. We already talked about Viserai. Um, he's going to be pretty good. Uh, I don't... Heroic Briar is still very good, but I don't personally much like that deck. It feels kind of like you're trying to high-roll your opponent, and not just draw your blues in no channel because then you you really don't do that much. Right. So that deck's pretty fun to play and pretty aggressive, but I I don't know. I think it needs a bit of tweaking to uh maintain. Could be wrong though, it's still very powerful. All right, that was my little ramble. What uh what do you see happening in this uh, dynamic I laid out? Well, so I think there are going to be there's going to be a small minority of players uh such as myself who are trying to figure out what the best decks are and to have kind of a deck that works around that um like countering that or playing into those but then there are players like potentially uh, you Isaac, who are just like, woo, new tools for my favorite hero. <laughs> I'll just throw it out there and play with it in this first weekend and see if it was good. Maybe it's the right call. I don't know. And I think that's going to be the over the the uh, majority of the field is going to be people who are just happy to have new stuff for their favorite hero and are just going to be like, well, could be good. I think it's good. Let's see what happens. You know. <laughs> Plus players like me are just looking for an excuse to have fun. You know, it's like new Azalea tools. Oh, Azalea might have it. I love playing Azalea. I'm just going to play Azalea. You know, yeah, totally, like. totally. That's why you're the people's favorite, I think, <laughs> out of us two. People just love you for, for that reason, that you just stick to your guns. Thanks. I don't know about you know. that. I think wow, you're very handsome know. as well. Well, thanks. I mean, popular or I don't know. <laughs> 
Thank you. Um, so, so I think that's what's going to happen. Definitely the first two weekends, not so much maybe in the second weekend uh, to the same degree, but like not everybody will get to go to uh, the opening weekend of stuff. And then the second weekend, we'll probably just see a repeat of the first one, maybe an uptick in whatever decks wind up to, to win and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's impossible uh, really to predict what's going to happen. Um, now, what do I think is going to like win the most pro quests in the early part of the meta? I'm going to say it's going to be Prism. Like gets gets the most wins. That's my oh. that's my hot take. Nice. God, I want to say Viserai. You know that I want to it too. Just but it's pretty good. It, it's super good, but people just like don't don't play it. You know. Yeah, that's fair. I but, think more people are looking at it. Probably because it won. But Prism also won, and yeah, Guardians did really well, and people already, for whatever reason, love those decks much more than they love uh, the Batman of the game. Sorry, it's very much the Batman of the game. He totally is. Yeah, so a couple points about what you just said. I, I think there's kind of two ways you can go about it, right? Like you can look at all of the new stuff and try to outline like, okay, these are the five best decks coming up as best as we can figure out. So then you get reps into them, you get a game plan into that and you figure that out and, you know, probably stand a pretty good chance, right? That does take quite a lot of commitment and like brainstorming and deck building, not only for yourself, but to figure out your opponents. Um, Mm -hmm. And you'll probably still get surprised to some degree, but that's obviously like the best approach. The other approach, right, is you can go with a very proactive game plan and a character or class that you're very comfortable piloting. And I think that that kind of puts you in a a pretty good position, right? Because you're going to be probably better than whoever just net decked star the show and doesn't know what to do when you put them in a tough position or (laughs) Taylor's killing me. (laughs) um nobody can see what's happening zero bread moving on um hey you on your like uh very familiar deck with a proactive approach are probably going to be better than somebody uh who net deck something is unfamiliar with it Mm -hmm. but you might lose to the you know the other strategy i mentioned where they're actually like upgraded and planned for this um you know, potential encounter. But, you know, I think, so when you talked about all these, all of us who go back to our favorites, it's like, yeah, that, I mean, to be honest, that's not the medical, but it does have its strengths, right? Like, <laughs> you know what you're doing, you're executing it well. And uh, that, that can give you an edge in some matchups. Yeah, totally. Especially early. Um, yeah. I think the inverse of that is also true is that like, people will be like, well, I'll just play crazy control and see if their deck is good enough to just beat straight fatigue. You know, I mean, that's a proactive approach. Oh yeah, I suppose so. It seems like a, 
proactive so approach. Much. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah I think opposite. you're right. By proactive approach, I just meant like um you just you show up with a plan and you execute it. Mm, gotcha. You know, it's well dialed. And that usually comes in terms of like uh you know, like Sabres Bolton or like full on aggro or full on control or something like that. Right, uh, right. But it's just like very that's what I mean. Like uh a very aggressive plan or aggressively control plan, if that makes yeah. sense. You yeah. Know? Yep. It totally does make sense. And make your opponent um, adapt and win. Right. Yeah. Like, can you just beat me? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. You can't. Ha. I win. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I do know that I'm very excited for ProQuest season to happen. Uh, it's, it's just going to be really great to see the meta shape and change and uh i'm excited to get to play in it um with the caveat if my basketball team uh just keeps winning games uh then i will miss out on the whole pro quest because we will just be you know i mean yeah i mean that's cool too yeah it's totally cool you know i think the uh the uh, section championship game is the weekend we're scheduled to go to Portland. So if we make it all the way there, I will uh, be playing for something bigger than a pro quest. Uh, Mitch Thomas and I will still be going to Portland. So don't breathe too easy, Portland. <laughs> yeah. And now I'll, I'll get up there one of these days, but who knows? We could lose in the first round of the playoffs and then it's just pro quest season and until, uh, my, uh, sleeves fall apart or something. I'm a little bit nervous about pro quest. So I decided to go on a last minute trip right now. So I will be gone <laughs> and just gone until, um, the start of pro quest season instead of practicing for pro quest season. So I'm a little bit apprehensive in that vein or in that department. But at the same time, you have to win one of these tournaments to qualify. So I did not have like expectations of winning. Like this game is pretty hard and there is, you know, quite a bit of variance, not in a bad way, but it's just difficult to set out to win a tournament um, unless you like really are grinding it out and have also broken the game. Well, you're just um, going to show up. You have this great plan of you're you're going to go commune with nature for like two weeks and just live in the mountains and just climb them and and you know defeat a literal gigantic slab of rock. And then you're just going to come back grizzled and super bearded and smelly, and <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that will be hard to sit across <laughs> from. Is like who is this man who has not only a overwhelming uh, scent, but an overwhelming sense of confidence across the table from me. <laughs> totally. Just like an enlightened still pond. Yeah. Of executing my cards. <laughs> yeah, totally. You just, you'll, totally, you gave away my plan. <laughs> it'd be all telekinesis too. You won't even touch the cards. <laughs> You'll just float in front of you like in TTS. <laughs> well, if <laughs> excellent, if this plan doesn't work out though, then I'm going to get home and I will be practicing for <laughs> the next events. There'll be one hell of a podcast though, to, if, <laughs> if it does work out. So totally. 
uh, cool. Uh, do you got any more thoughts on the meta or anything before we move into our signature segments? Um, I don't think so. Just reiterate, you know, play something you're good at playing. I mean, granted, some decks like Cheerios Briar merit pivoting too, right? So that advice has limits, but uh, also being good at the deck you're piloting, um, you know, does have some strengths. Nice. I think that's it. Also, again, you have to win one of these things, so it's like, I don't even know how to take that. Yeah, I mean, you want to road to Nat, so yeah, it might be just fine. But might be fine. It's just a lofty goal. You just got to get a little lucky, though, too. You know. Yeah. All, All right. right. You want to take us in? Yeah. So uh, first up in our signature segments is pick, pass, pray. It's a draft scenario. I'm going to give you three cards, and you're going to pick one. Pass one and pray one comes back around. Are you I'm ready? ready? Okay, perfect. And this <laughs> is still, we're going to still do Tales of Aria because that's a draftable set. Um, we might get a little bored and throw some uh, Everfest cards in there, but a little less realistic for the mind puzzle that we have in this segment. So here we go. Without further ado, our first card up is Sigil of Suffering Red. Pitches for one. Cost zero is a rune blade defense reaction, so it defends for three. And it reads, deal one arcane damage to the attacking hero. If you have dealt arcane damage this turn, Sigil of Suffering gains plus one defense. Whenever you swallow, you will taste ash. Wherever you tread, you will feel thorns. That's our first card. Mm, Sounds delightful. Second card is Mark of Lightning. This is a lightning equipment arms and it defends for zero but it reads whenever a lightning or elemental attack you control is defended by a card from hand you may destroy mark of lightning if you do the attack deals one damage to the defending hero our third and final card is lightning surge yellow pitches for two cost zero and is a lightning attack action two defense and three attack power. If Lightning Surge is played from Arsenal, it gains go again. So Isaac, which one are you going to pick, pass, and pray comes back around? Uh, I actually really like all three of these cards, but I'm going to pick Mark of Lightning. I think it's really, really powerful. Besides Deep Blue, it's like my favorite equipment, and in such a fast format with so many like damage amplifying things you know this this equipment's probably worth like three damage in every game and it starts out there and you can always use it so that to me is extremely powerful i'm going to hope that sigil of suffering comes back around um i would kind of like lightning surge but sigil of suffering is just zero for a five damage point swing which is pretty nuts and can also protect you from the, you know, the like one super good Lexi player that drafted at your table. So uh, I think that has quite a bit of value, (laughs) Um, you know, just blocking the dominated arrows uh, over and over. Because if you can actually get around that dominate, then the 
Lexi becomes way less good. Uh, you can also close out games with it. Um, players get down to one life pretty often, actually, in this format. I do really like Lightning Surge Yellow, but it's being a Lightning and Go Again is a bit redundant most of the time in Lexi. It is really good in Briar getting to Rosetta, I think. But mm-hmm. these are three good cards, so that didn't make the the cut. All right, Taylor, back to you. Cool. I'm going to agree with you on the Mark of Lightning uh, pick one. Just a really great arms. Um, and if I wind up being in Lightning, uh, then it's super useful. And it's part of like a game-winning combo, so you're not too upset by picking that uh, pack one, pick one. Uh, my card I'm going to pass on, though, is the Lightning Surge. Um, just weighing that versus Sigil of Suffering, I would rather wheel Sigil of Suffering red. Unlikely, but that's why I'm praying that this happens. Um, just because it's just slightly better it's uh it also closes out games and saves you four damage and is just a really powerful card so uh sigil of suffering is what i'm going to pray and definitely pass on lightning surge if it was the red one i might be more inclined because that's at like just a great break point um and you don't really like care to pitch lightning surge and see it late game you, you know because it's a yellow because you want to get it in Arsenal anyway. So um, it having the extra resource costs and not being at that four, four, zero for four break point is like not as worth it. So nice. that's what I'm going with. Totally, uh, totally agreed that time. Did we? I thought you passed on Sigil of Suffering and prayed nope. for... Like, praying for Sigil, as did you. Oh, dang it. Well, not dang it, but great job. Yeah. We totally agreed. <laughs> Smoke Teamwork. that draft. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll also gain telekinetic powers at the end of my uh, enlightenment journey as well. Um, okay, Isaac, I believe you have a riddle me this. I do. On this episode's riddle me this, <laughs> I would like to talk about uh, Talisman of Recompense. I've been thinking about this card a lot and I'm unsure if it's good. So this is maybe more of a, do you, the audience think this card is good? Um, and so here are my arguments. Well, will you read me what the card does? Because, oh yes. Uh, I'm at home <laughs> a, listening in my car <laughs> on my way to my commute. It's a yellow pitch for two, um, zero cost generic action item does not block. It does have go again when you play it. Whenever you pitch a card, if you would gain exactly one resource, instead destroy Talisman of Recompense and gain three resources. And it's a rare. So my arguments for this item is it generates the same amount of resources as an energy potion, but has go again when you play it. So you don't have to sacrifice an action point in in order to get it on the board. I don't know if that's good enough to compensate for it not being a blue and not having a choice as to when this card triggers, right? Um, You can't save it for the end game when you need a bunch of resources. It triggers the first time you would uh, pitch a red or, you know, use your tunic, but tunic for three is pretty sweet. 
Um, just the appeal to this card for me is that it is a yellow. It doesn't use an action point to play. So in decks where you're fine with having a yellow to pitch, it functions that way. Or if you are able to get it out, then it, it fixes your next red hand um, in decks where that, you know, that can happen or that really matters. And that has quite a lot of value. Um, anyway, don't know if it's good, but uh, it might. What do you think there, buddy? Um, I have no clue about any potion, amulet, or talisman. Fair I'm just, enough. I'm just assuming they don't exist because they don't block. And uh, if the meta is slow enough to where you can play non-block cards in your deck, then I will then think about it. So uh, I think the argument you laid out has some uh, merit. But I also don't know. So that's why it's in Riddle Me This segment. Nice. So for our next segment, here at the Attack Action Podcast, we like to play a lot of different board games, not just flesh and blood. And sometimes we like to share one of those games with you. This is uh, maybe not the best game in the world or necessarily our favorite, but it's a game we really love and uh, hope you might enjoy too. This episode's board game from the closet is Taylor's board game. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, my board game from the closet is Welcome to the Dungeon. Uh, Ooh, newly yes. rediscovered <laughs> uh, game that I had on my shelf. And the other night, me, Isaac, and Mitch were like, uh, we should still play a game. We're not like too tired yet, but we can't commit to something longer. Boom. In comes welcome to the dungeon. Um, so the, the basic premise is, is that there is like one fantasy character in the middle of the table and you're playing chicken with the other people at the table to either psych them out to go into the dungeon where you have set up all manner of monsters they can't beat or you're just the f- first coward who says I'm not going into the dungeon um, or your opponents kind of flip the script on you and make you go into the dungeon and so on your turn you draw from this common stack of monsters and the known quantity of every monster is uh, public information, but the monster that you personally have is not. And so you take that monster and you can either break a piece of valuable equipment that the hero needs to fight in the dungeon, or you can put that monster face down into the dungeon. And then once um, two or three, depending on your player numbers, uh, pass in subsequent turns, then the odd man out or person odd person out who didn't pass then goes into the dungeon to face all of the monsters and then you either win the game by being the last person standing or by defeating two dungeons before anybody else does and it's just really fun like mind games and uh you know kind of you know, puffing yourself up like, oh yeah, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Oh crap, I died. You know, so uh, 
It's just a really fun, quick social game. Yeah, it is. It is really good. And how it kind of plays out is so with like three of us right on my turn, if I don't think if I think the dungeon's too easy, I can either like weaken the hero or strengthen the dungeon. But then you and Mitch can both pass and send me into the dungeon that I just made harder. Right. Mm -hmm. Or Or I can pass. Yeah. And then uh, and then Mitch could pass and we can send Taylor in. But the dungeon might not be hard enough. So he wins. Yeah. (laughs) It's a really fun little. uh, Little interaction there. Um, Fun fact. You cannot use a tunic to generate resources for talisman of recompense because it says you need to pitch a card. (laughs) I just read (laughs) And uh, another just last thing about this set, I really love all of the items they released. I really, really love them. Some of them are unplayable at the moment, but most of them have very powerful mechanics that may be utilized at some point in some meta with some combination of cards. Um, So I think that that's very cool to throw out all these very powerful tools to see how they may get utilized later down the road. Cool. I'm glad you got to talk about that again. (laughs) Well, I felt like we didn't give the items the love they deserve, so I just did it again, I guess. Nice. Anyway, uh, welcome to the dungeon. It's a tiny box. It travels well, plays four. It's cheap, and it's a a good time. Oh, sorry. I did not mean to interrupt your board game from the closet. I thought that... uh... (laughs) that's awkward i thought that 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 was over yeah that's why i made that comment bro (laughs) sorry yeah what i said was meant to go after that segment yeah and uh i'm not gonna i could use the power of technology and just put that where it needs to be or something but we're just gonna leave all of this in because uh you know why not it's how we roll hell yeah well, that's our show. Bit of a shorter one for us, um, but you know that's okay. They all can't be uh, two-hour bangers. So uh, hopefully you uh, enjoyed this episode, and uh, we hope to hear from you. We appreciate all of you. We'll see you for the next episode where we give a in-depth meta game analysis of the current pro quest season and uh all the things that have happened and what we think and um just the wild wacky new strategies everyone's employing including percent yeah <laughs> cool uh see you next time everybody goodbye goodbye thank you for listening you can find us on youtube facebook and instagram at the attack action podcast on twitter we are at BattleBro Taylor and at BattleBro Isaac. Shoot us an email, the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.